This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and in this episode, I'll be talking to Phil Spencer, who is the Watford writer for London. He's on to share his thoughts on Watford ahead of this match against Fulham. This is our view of the opposition show. I look forward to doing this show, but before I do anything else, I have to welcome back Phil to the show, as he was on before the QPR match at Craven Cottage last season. Phil, I want to welcome you back to Cottage Talk. How you doing? Thank you for joining me today. No, no problem. No, thank you very much for uh, thank you very much for having me back. Well, I had such a good time talking to you last season, and uh, it's so good that you're covering Watford now, so I could have you back on Cottage Talk, and of course that films in the Premier League, and we can have this uh, conversation about these two teams. It's a fascinating match, and we'll get to that. Let's start with just focusing more on Watford. And I want to start by talking about the four victories to start the season. This was a great start to the season for Watford. Through your eyes, talk about the beginning of the season. And then afterwards, we'll talk about their first loss against Manchester United. But let's start with the victories. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, I, th- I think going into the other season, I think there, was, um, there, there wasn't too much, um, I suppose too much attention around Watford, really. I think the, uh, the end of last season... And they kind of um, they, they got over the line in terms of uh, in terms of avoiding relegation. Um, they, uh, they did it fairly comfortably, but um, it, there were no kind of uh, there were no great shakes last season in terms of their uh, the performances. And I think they were one of the other teams who uh, were just kind of expected to go quietly about the business going into the the new season. Um, but I think what happened was uh, over the other summer they uh, they brought in some um, some smart recruits. Um, they weren't necessarily or big name signings, but there were there were players who were quite intelligent people who could uh, who could bring a lot to uh, to Watford's squad, and so uh, by working hard behind the scenes on on fitness more than anything, um, we're, we're, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about Troy Deeney in a, in a little bit, but he kind of uh, epitomises that by coming back in in much better shape than what he was in last season, and um, they, they basically were able to uh, to go into the season fully fully ready for the uh, for the new campaign and uh, by doing that they've been able to get off to the uh, the best po- possible start with uh, with those their uh, four straight uh, league wins um, and I think that is down to 
the other preparation that's gone gone on during preseason. Okay, so for you, it really is about all the work leading up to the beginning of the season. But is there a common thread between these four matches? Because uh, I watched the match against uh, Burnley, and uh, I'm watching it. And, uh, again, I, I thought it was two even teams. Funny, because I was listening to this podcast, the Ronnie and Ramage podcast, and they were talking about a disciplined team. That's one of the things that I watched when I was watching this match. And when they got their opportunities, they pounced. So is this a team that has what I think is togetherness, that they play as a unit? Would that be the common thread? I think so, yeah. I think that's, that's definitely one of the uh, the common threads of the team. I think something that, um, that Javi Gracia brings to the other team, he's, he's a very... Um, He's a very humble man. He's a very humble man. He works extremely hard behind the scenes, but there's nothing, nothing flashy about him. And I think that's the kind of thing that he's trying to, uh, to get across into his team. It's, uh, it's not about individual performances and individually going out there and stealing the show. It's about uh, working hard for, uh, for your teammates and, um, and basically, like you said, capitalising on any opportunities that you're given. And um, I mentioned the other fitness before, but I think that's yeah. been a, a key part of it because um, if, if there was one criticism of uh, Watford so far is that they've maybe got off to a slightly slower start in a, in a lot of these games, but they've kind of like warmed up through each of the halves. And so they've been able to really um, kick on, particularly in the in the second half of games, uh, by using their, uh, their fitness and their, their high pressing game to, uh, to kind of suffocate the opposition and, um, and get the rewards uh, which have ultimately come with that. Okay, very good there, my friend. All right, let's talk about the flip side, the uh, loss to Manchester United. I think that you can learn a great deal about a team in a loss. So what did you learn about Watford in this match? Um, yeah, well, I, I think in terms of that match compared to the other ones, I, I don't think there was anything really that you could um, that you could criticise about Watford's performances. It's not like it, it wasn't a game where um, everything had kind of gone out of the window from the, the four victories previous to that. They did everything exactly the same. Um, they went out there and although it was a slightly slower start, they, they kept themselves in the game. And um, I think it was more than anything, it was uh, a lapse of concentration um, over a, uh, I think it was a five-minute spell, which gave Man United the other uh, way um, into the lead. Um, that, I think that kind of caught the, uh, the Watford team off guard. It, it was purely about, um, about concentration, really. And I think one, one thing that Watford have been I suppose, lacking a little bit of uh, this season is that kind of like dominance in the penalty area from a defensive point of view. Uh, when the opposite team are are putting balls into the box, I think Ben Foster, as much as he's a, a fantastic shot stopper, um, he does occasionally struggle with uh, with uh, commanding his area, and that's something which uh, which Man United managed to uh, to capitalise on in that particular game. Um, but after their their two goals, I think what you saw from Watford was very much what we saw in the the previous four games, where they were they were working hard, they were pressing Man United, and uh, ultimately in the in the second half they they got the one goal back through Andre Gray. Uh, but they were very much knocking on the door in the closing stages, and really could have uh, could have uh, brought it back to a two all if uh, if Christian Cavani hadn't been denied by a, a fantastic save by uh, yeah. by De Gea. Yeah, and um, I think that Watford were potentially unlucky not to uh, to get something out of the game, um, not taking anything away from Man United because they were they were very good on the day as well. But it, it wasn't a performance from from Watford which anyone would be concerned about because they showed exactly the same characteristics. As we've shown in the previous game, um, just they, they came up against um, an opponent who were who were able to uh, to punish them when uh, when the moment counted. Okay, excellent. And uh, I did catch the end of that match, and that was a, just one of those saves by De Gea. You just can't do anything about. But 
Good point by you because they possibly should have had that equalizer. Maybe they've earned it. But their play, really, like you said, not much different from the first four games. And unfortunately, it was a loss. But it sounds like there still is that common thread going through these first five matches. So that's going to lead me to ask you about Watford manager Javi Garcia. And I'm curious about him and the job he's done this season. I know he came in midstream last season. So what has he given Watford that has been the difference? You talked about the fitness. Obviously, he has a hand in that. But there has to be more that he has brought to Watford this season compared to what they were dealing with last season. Um, yeah, I think in terms of what he's what he's brought in, um, the second half of last season, he uh, he obviously came into the other job in January, and it was it was very much just a case of um, kind of seeing the team through to the end of the season. It's it's quite hard to instill your own methods when you're halfway through the season and you don't really have uh, a lot of time on the uh, on the training ground with uh, with pictures coming uh, thick and fast. So he kind of muddled his way through to the end of the season. Um, what wasn't really anything spectacular other than some some decent home form. Uh, last season, but I think um, with having the the, uh, the summer to uh, to get his methods across to the uh, to the team, um, it's something which has come across them um, re- and it's been really fruitful for the uh, for the Watford team. Um, as I mentioned before, he's he's a very he's a very humble guy, but he's also a very intelligent guy, and he's been a very hard working person as well. Um, so what he's tried to do is he's he's built up the uh, the fitness of the other uh, players behind the scenes. Um, he's kind of um, it's kind of increased the uh, the industry of the uh, the Watford squad. They're kind of they're, they're working harder and running further than they uh, than they have done before. Um, all of the players look in a noticeably uh, better shape than what they were in um, last season. And I think what he's kind of done is he's um, he's, he's quite a light-hearted individual, but you get the sense that he can be a, a disciplinarian when he when he needs to be. So as much as the uh, the spirit within the squad is going to be um, extremely upbeat and he'll he'll have a laugh and a joke with his players and that kind of thing. And you do get the the impression that he does have some, um, like a, I suppose, an element of strictness uh, behind the scenes. Um, there's been reports, for example, that um, he he finds his players a um, hundred pounds for every minute that they are late for training, uh, things like that. So when if they're if they're a minute I like late, that um, by the way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, it's something which you kind of go, oh god, that's. Uh, that's that's like a lot of money for like for right. anyone to lose. But when you're when you're a footballer, it's it's still it's still a significant amount of money, and I suppose sure. it's enough to uh, to get you motivated. Because regardless exactly. of who you are, you might be the uh, the best footballer on the planet. You might be um, you could be Cristiano Ronaldo, you could be Messi or or anyone. But um, if you if you're turning up and you're turning up late, it's just um, it's just it, well, it's just rude more than anything. I think I think that's what he's kind of wanting from his team no one's no one should be above the station no one's bigger than the, the club and so the the minimum that he's hoping for from each of his players is that they they turn up on time and they work hard while they're there and it sounds like um those reports if they, if they are true he, he did say that he um he, can, he confirmed that that was the case that that was one of the uh, the rules that they that they have wow. uh, but that's just kind of like a, an underlying tone of um the kind of discipline that he's got within his squad and the, the most important thing is that all, the, all all of the players have bought into that as well so they've kind of embraced these rules, and they kind of go, yeah. No, I think that's I think that's a fair rule to to have in place, and that's that's something which has ultimately um, contributed towards Watford's success so far this season. Well, you just said something that I think is key for any team: the buy-in. Players have to buy in. If they buy in, that's a huge thing, and obviously they have. So let me ask you: with the buy-in, and you're talking about the discipline, it sounds like to me that this Watford team has taken on the personality of Garcia. Would that be fair to say? 
I think so. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very uh, fair to say. I think uh, Grassia, when he was uh, when he was a player, he was. Um, he was, he was a very good player. He, I wouldn't say that he was the uh, the best player out there in the in the world, but he was he was certainly a very good player. But what he did well was he he worked tirelessly uh, tirelessly sorry um, himself. Um, he, he put in a shift for his team. It was very much about the team effort, and that is something which he's um, put across to his team. And if, if you if you look at the other players who are playing for him uh, week in week out, you, there's no doubting that they're doing exactly the same. And I think ultimately, if, if a player wasn't doing that for him, um, he's got plenty of players in his squad who who would do. So he's got a very good mentality within the other team and the squad at the moment. And um, that that can only be a good thing if they all push themselves um, for, for starting places in his in his starting eleven. Okay, excellent there, Phil. All right, you were at his presser on Wednesday. What stood out to you in regards to the upcoming match? Um, I think the um, the main thing that stood out um, from it was the fact that nothing really has changed in the uh, in the last week. Um, I think a lot of people would maybe think that oh, they've, they've got the defeat against uh, Man United, the winning runs come to an end. That kind of fairy tale start is is now out of the window. But from his point of view it was it was very much exactly the same as what it was the week before he was um he was getting across the other point that yes they might have lost the game against man united but he saw everything that he'd seen in the previous games in terms of the uh the work ethic and the um the effort that was on on the pitch and the uh, obviously the quality uh that was out there as well and so he was very much putting the message across that he's he wasn't concerned at all about the defeat to Man United, and as long as the team keep putting in the kind of performance that they did last weekend as well, he doesn't have any any worries because he's he's confident that his side can can pick up um, a good result uh, moving forward. And that was something that he said about going into the weekend. And um, he is confident that if his team can put in that kind of performance again, that they'll be able to get the three points. And that kind of confidence is something that's clearly come from the the first few games of the season, from what he's seen from the squad. Now, what I got from your article is that he's been using pretty much the same starting 11, but there are matches upcoming. Do you see any changes for this upcoming match? Um, I don't think so, no. I think in terms of the um, starting 11, he's, um, he's tried to, uh, to keep the, uh, the pace with the, uh, the, same, the same 11 going into each game, and that's been something which has been really, um, really successful for him. Um, I think it's part of the, uh, the hard work and the, the building of relationships within the team uh, which has um, which has done really well for uh, for Watford, um, as well as having the other relationships between the um, between the manager and the players. It's about having those individual relationships between uh, various people in the other team as well. So if you're looking at the midfielders, they've kind of forged quite a quite a strong connection. Um, if you're looking at the defence and the midfield kind of linking up, there's there's also a very a very clear understanding there as well. And so I think that's something which has worked well for him in terms of that consistency in the team. But um, whether he whether he does uh, choose to uh, to make any alterations, we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. Okay, very good there, Phil. All right, let's now talk about key players for Watford against Fulham as we start to really look at this match. And uh, I can just tell you, this is just my opinion. Uh, I'm scared to see Troy Deeney and uh, Andre Gray play again against Fulham because I have bad memories of seeing these two players play against Fulham in the championship. So I remember them well. I know that they're two dangerous players, but there are other players to talk about as well. So give me your key players for this matchup. Yeah, um, I think you, well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Troy Deeney and Andre Gray. I think they've been a, a real, I, I wouldn't call them a surprise package there this season. I think everyone knew that on, on their day they could both be, um, I suppose, like, like credible Premier League, uh, credible Premier League strikers, I guess, um, people who wouldn't uh, pull up any trees but would uh, – 
get a certain amount of goals between them. But I think the, the connection that they've shown, they're playing in a partnership up front, has been a particular highlight for Watford. I think they've linked up particularly well. Um, Troy Deeney's playing the role of a, of a target man with, uh, with Andre Gray kind of playing off the, off the shoulder of him. Um, and that is something which has um, which has played out quite nicely for Watford. It's um, it's given them a, an extra dimension in attack, and the uh, the duo as a partnership has been really effective. Um, elsewhere in the team, um, the, the partnership of uh, Dakure and Kapue in midfield is uh, another relationship which has really blossomed uh, this season. Um, Kapue is very much uh, he kind of plays the uh, almost the role of a quarterback in the, in that team. He kind of drops very deep. Um, almost between the other uh, two central defenders at times, and just looks to um, to dictate play by uh, by spraying the ball around the park. Um, the Curé is more of a uh, box-to-box midfielder, so he's um, he's tough in the tackle, but he, he's got the he's got the legs very much to uh, to join up with the attack as well. And as much as he hasn't done so this season, uh, last season I think he got seven or eight goals um, from the centre of midfield, which for a mid-table Premier League side is um, is quite impressive. And I think it's that that work ethic and physicality. Uh, which makes him uh, a real threat when he um, when he does burst forward. Not to mention the um, the the array of passing that he does and the um, some of the uh, the neat touches that he shows in midfield as well. He's uh, he's only 24 or 25, but the intelligence that he that he shows on the pitch is um, is quite remarkable. Hence some of the uh, the, the links with the uh, the so-called bigger clubs in the uh, in the Premier League as well. Okay, very good there, Phil. All right. Let's now go to strengths and weaknesses. What I like to do is I, I like to go to whoscore.com and, and read through their strengths and weaknesses of the opposition and see if they match up with uh, your thoughts on the strengths and weaknesses of uh, Watford. So let's start with what they list as strengths, and you tell me if they match up. Here are the strengths from whoscore.com. Creating chances through individual skill, stealing the ball from the opposition, creating chances using through balls, finishing scoring chances, Attacking set pieces. Now, what I've seen, again, in a match and a half, because I watched about a half of the uh, Manchester United match, I, I can pretty much vouch for all of these, but your thoughts on the strengths, and are there any other strengths that you would put on the table as well? Um, no, I, I, I think in terms of the, uh, the strengths for, for, what, uh, for Watford, I think, they're, um, I think they're all pretty accurate. I mean, in terms of um, take, taking the ball off the opposition, that's something that they do through their, uh, their high press, and they do, they do win the ball back in some, in some good areas. Um, they've also been very uh, ruthless in front of goal, and uh, like a lot of teams, you um, you see, and Watford haven't necessarily had the um, had the better of the play in in a lot of the games this this season. Uh, they've been quite equal with almost the likes of Crystal Palace, or you mentioned that you saw the game with Burnley. That was yeah. a, a particularly even match, but um, right. I think the fact that Watford were able to uh, to capitalise on a on a spell of dominance and take those chances and um, Put the game beyond doubt by by taking those opportunities. That was the difference on the day, and it kind of took the uh, took the sting out of the day. So I think, yeah, I think that ruthless nature in front of goal has been particularly effective. Um, and you mentioned the, uh, the the goals from set pieces as well. Um, I think that's clearly something which um, which Javi Gracia and his, his team have worked on. Um, they've got some um, some good players who can put some uh, some fierce deliveries into the box. It's um, it's been. Jose Holabas who's taken a lot of the set pieces so far this season, but with with the likes of um, Christian Cabaselli and Craig Cathcart and the uh, and the strikers in the area as well, there's um, there's some real aerial dominance in there, and that is something which has paid off so far this this term and could potentially be um, an area to watch for Watford um, against Fulham on Saturday. See, I agree with you, and uh, one of the other things that I want to really focus on is stealing the ball. 
because uh, I read a very interesting article by Adrian Clark on PremierLeague.com. It's actually entitled Watford Can Hurt Fulham Team in Transition. And this is something that concerns me for this match. And I'll just read something from it. So Adrian Clark says Fulham have been vulnerable after losing the ball and that Watford will test that weakness further. So let's talk about this because I think this is a key part of this upcoming match because Fulham, I think, will try to dominate the play like they have in every single match. Even they tried against Manchester City, but it's Manchester City. They want the possession, but they have been open to these mistakes and it's hurt them several times. So would you agree with me that this is something that we're going to have to watch for during the match? Absolutely, yeah. I think um, you mentioned it just there. Um, obviously, I, I probably haven't seen uh, Fulham as many times as what you have uh, this season. But um, in terms of the um, in terms of Fulham's style of play, um, everyone knows that they are very much a possession-based team. Um, they like to uh, to build up play from the other back, and they do commit their um, their fullbacks um, as well as a lot of their midfielders forward quite quickly yes. um, when they're uh, when they're moving forward with the ball. But um, as, as you mentioned, the uh, the high press that Watford play. And they do they do win the ball back sometimes in some quite dangerous positions. So I think if Fulham can keep hold of the ball and not take not take too many risks against um, against Watford, then that could be something which would go in Fulham's favour. But they also have to be careful because if they do get caught out by Watford, and um, they've done it several times this season where they've caught the opposition in in possession on the halfway line, and um, if Fulham do commit too many players forward too early. And then they could find themselves massively exposed um, for a, a Watford counter-attack, particularly down the flanks, which is um, an area which I, I think is going to be uh, pivotal on Saturday for, for both teams because the, the two teams do have some similarities in terms of how they do things. Watford yes. play with quite, uh, quite advanced full-backs as well. Um, and similarly, if they, if they get caught in possession, it's, it's an area which could be exploited for, uh, for both sides. So I think that's definitely an area to watch for for, for both teams going into the match. I'm glad that you mentioned that, and I totally agree with you because it, it's a concern from a foam perspective, losing the ball. I've seen it hurt them several times so far this season. But if they can balance it a little bit and be just a little careful, I'll just say that. I, I know Savisa's style is high risk, but if they could just watch themselves just a little bit and avoid these situations, I think that uh, that could be an advantage for Fulham. I'm glad that you brought that up. But that's not going to lead me to talk about weaknesses. And this is what whoscore.com says about weaknesses of Watford, you're already pretty much talking about it. It says keeping possession of the ball, defending against through ball attacks. So for me, this goes to a potential strength for Fulham because they obviously want to possess the ball and they want to just dominate play and they will take advantage of your mistakes. So let's talk about this. Do you agree with these two weaknesses for Watford? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I think they... Um pretty much hit the nail on the head for Watford. I think they've, uh, they've, done, they've done quite well defensively uh, this season, Watford. But um, similarly to what we were saying with Watford, I think, uh, with Fulham, sorry, um, the, uh, the play down near the flanks is definitely going to be um, a key area. Um, for Watford, it's been um, Jose Holobas on the left and uh, Darrell Janmas on the right, who played in the, uh, in the Premier League games. Um, and what both of those players like to do is to do like to get forward. And uh, very much um, Harvey Graffi's system is about those two players in particular. And providing the other uh, width on the uh, on on the attack, um, and yeah, similarly to uh, to Fulham, if if Watford do get caught out in uh, in possession, um, it is an area which could be exposed. I mean, Fulham have got some um, particularly dangerous players in in wide areas. So you just have to look at um, the likes of Sessegnon or this season. If you look at the likes of Scherler as well, uh, players like that who are really going to provide that kind of width and exploit those areas. 
and um, something which um, which Watford have also been somewhat lacking, um, particularly in like central defensive areas, is um, is a little bit of pace, so that if um, if Fulham are able to uh, play through some um, some cleverly placed through passes into the uh, into the wide areas, um, that is an area which uh, which Watford could be could be caught out on. So I, I think both of those areas are quite accurate and definitely something that uh, that Watford need to be wary of going into the match. Okay, excellent. All right, let's get into this. What are your thoughts on Fulham heading into this match? Yeah, um, I, th- I think in terms of Fulham going into the uh, going into the match, it's um, they've had a, they've made an all right start to uh, to life in the uh, in the Premier League. Um, I think we've kind of seen uh, both sides of uh, Fulham's play. They've, they've looked they've looked good going forward. I think everyone's seen the uh, the, the passing and possession based style of play that Fulham like to play. And the fact that they've been able to do that in the Premier League, with um, I, th- I think they've had an average of like 55% possession um, in their in their opening games. I think that's certainly something which uh, which they can count as a as a positive. Uh, but what we have seen is that um, that slight I don't, I don't want to call it defensive frailty, but it's almost the um, like the openness of, uh, of Fulham's defence. Um, you said before about um, how you kind of like to play a slightly high risk um, yes. approach, and um, it's. That 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 does kind of come across. Um, particularly in the Premier League, you you are going to get punished if you if you're caught out in those areas more so than what you would do in the uh, in the Championship. So I think while while Fulham have looked impressive going forward, they do look a little bit vulnerable um, at the back, and um, it might it might well be a case of um, Fulham needing to rely uh, needing to rely on their uh, their goal scoring um, ability and ability in the final third to. Um, to, to make sure that they don't get dragged into trouble this season, because based on what we've seen so far, they are, they are a side who are going to concede goals. No, I'm there with you, and my hope is that they tighten that up, because I think going forward that they're going to score a great deal of goals. But, Phil, what's interesting about Savisa, and uh, I saw Ryan's account of his uh, presser, Ryan O'Donovan, who's been on the show several times, I think he's changing who he is. I don't think he's going to change the approach at all talked on college talk and he tried to get the balance and he has this style and he is a believer in it in fact i think he wants them to take even more risk and just be brave he keeps talking about being brave and and not being afraid and uh so i just think that this is the style that he believes in it does leave them open but that doesn't mean that they can't work on their defensive frailties and that's my hope is that that catches up to what they're doing going forward but we shall see all right in your mind, what are the key players from a Watford perspective that Watford fans should be concerned about? I'm curious your thoughts on this. I believe that uh, Gracia mentioned Mitrovic. I would start there, honestly, because I, I think Mitrovic and Sarri would be the two places I would start. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, well, I think um, I think both of those players, they're, they're, they're obviously um, very good players for, for Fulham. Mitrovic holds up the ball well, and he's very much the, uh, the focal point of, um, of any attacks. Uh, going into the area, but uh, I think I think Watford have done quite well in the in those uh, in those central areas. They've played uh, Craig Cathcart and Christian Cabaselli in the central um, the central defensive areas, and they've done quite well against your, uh, your kind of traditional target man in the uh, in the Premier League. They came up against uh, Romelu Lukaku um, last week, for example, and they they, they come relatively well, um, marking him out of the game. He did get his goal, which was down to. Uh, down to a lapse in, uh, in concentration, but for the most part, they did manage to handle him quite well. Um, I think the players that Watford will need to be wary of 
are the uh, the players that are going to be working um, in and around them, to be honest, uh, the likes of Schurler, the likes of um, whether it's Sessignon who's playing in a, in a wide area as well. Those kind of players will be there linking up with uh, with Mitrovic, the players that are going to be there to expose uh, Watford's um, advanced fullbacks. And I think they're going to be the, the people who are almost going to decide the game for uh, from a Fulham point of view. If, if Fulham are going to be able to uh, to make that possession-based um that possess, I suppose that possession-based game uh, counts against Watford, um, and it's going to be in those wide areas. And if, if Fulham can exploit those those areas, um, then I think it could be um, could be a good afternoon for them. Um, but um, I, th- I think certainly those wide areas are the areas to watch. And while you mentioned Seri in the centre of midfield as well, um, I think Zakuri and uh, Kapu have been arguably um, Watford's strongest um, strongest partnership in the other team so far this season. So the, the hope with them is that they'll be able to make sure that he has no time on the ball because he'll, he'll very much dictate play uh, from will. the centre of midfield. And if, um, if Dekure and Kapu can, uh, can kind of like keep him on quite a tight leash, um, then that'll be, that'll, I suppose that'll be half the battle because he is, uh, he is a quality player. Okay, excellent. That's going to lead us to go through matchups. Which team has the advantage in each one of these matchups? So let's start with Fulham's attack going forward because we're just talking about it and Watford's defense. Which team would you give the advantage to in this matchup? Um, I'd, I'd probably have to say uh, Fulham's attack, uh, being completely honest. I think um, the, the amount of numbers that they do, that they do flood forward when, um, when on the front foot Fulham, um, it's, it's enough to cause um, any, any, any team problems. And um, I think the way that Watford play their game with the other fullbacks pushing forward, um, it can leave uh, Watford a little bit, um, a little bit exposed at times as well. Um, that's that's one area and like one uh, one aspect of that. Um, I mentioned it a little bit earlier as well, and that um, I've noticed that Watford have uh, looked almost a little bit frail uh, when balls have been, um, been been crossed into the box from uh, from those deep kind of wide areas. Um, and if that's something that Fulham can exploit as well by getting the ball into the box, that's what I would do. Rich on the um, yeah. on the penalty area at. Um, Ben, ben Foster is he's an extremely good goalkeeper, but like I said before, he, he does sometimes lack that um, that command of the of the area, and so that could be a, an interesting matchup as well. Because if Fulham can get the ball into the box early, uh, find Mitrovic, then it could be um, something that, which might cause some problems for uh, for Watford from that point of view. Okay, very interesting. I, I agree with you. To watch for Mitrovic, uh, the crosses in the box, I think he could be very dangerous. So that's a Interesting thing to watch during this match. All right, let's go to Watford's attack versus Fulham's defense. I'll just be the first to tell you, in, in my opinion, this is uh, an advantage to Watford. I've watched Watford, and I know Fulham's defense right now is a work in progress. So I think you're going to agree with me. You have to give the edge to Watford here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think Watford's, uh, Watford's attack has been, um, has been particularly good this season. So how they, how they like to play is that they've got, um, they've got Curry and Capu in the, in the center of midfield. Um, they tend to play Will Hughes on the right of midfield and Roberto Pereira on the uh, on the left. Um, but those two players, they're, they're not traditional wide players. They very much like to, uh, to cut inside and kind of like roam in that uh, in that area around the uh, around the attackers. And so it's very much up to um, the likes of Daryl Yanmat and um, and Holabas on the flanks to provide the width. So um, I, I think this game on as a, as a whole is I think it's going to be quite even because the two teams do share quite a lot of the the same kind of philosophies. Uh, Watford will. Where, when they are going forward, they'll, they'll go forward in numbers. And um, similarly to what we were saying about when, when Fulham are on the attack, if they, if they can catch uh, Fulham off guard uh, due to the amount of bodies that Fulham have committed when they've been going forward, 
um, it is something which could leave the Fulham defence um, a little bit exposed and the uh, the the, uh, the width of the fullbacks, uh, but then also the, um, the the real creative flair that the likes of Will Hughes and Roberto Pereira will bring from midfield. It, it will cause a lot of problems and. Um, as we mentioned before as well, the um, the physical battle with Dini and Andre Gray uh, coming up against the other Fulham defence that could be um, another area where if, if Watford get it right, it could uh, it could definitely prove uh, prove fruitful for them on the day. Okay, excellent. For the neutral, this could be a very entertaining match, but for me, you know, I'm feeling good about it, but I'm I'm a little bit concerned because I could see what you're exactly what you're talking about here, Phil. Mm-hmm. All right, this is an interesting one because you've already talked about the Watford players, so. In central midfield, because I think that this potentially could be where the game is won and lost or where it could end up being a draw, is right here. And uh, actually, I just read a very interesting article by Lydia Campbell on hamian.com. She was pointing to central midfield. So I want to ask you, who do you think has the advantage here? Um, I, think it's, I think it's fairly even, to be honest, in the, uh, in the center of midfield. Um, I think in terms, of how, um, in terms of how Fulham play, they do like to... Uh, dominate possession particularly in that that kind of like central core area it's very much about playing um short passes and retaining possession right. and kind of like waiting for the uh, for the wide players to kind of provide the uh, the outlet when they when they're on the attack um but um, i think i think for Watford it's um, it's very much the same as well i think uh, Kapu and uh, and Dekure, they do like to um to keep hold of the ball in the middle of the field they like to spray the ball out to the flanks quite similarly to to Fulham as well um, I, I don't think um, across both teams. I think, I think it's a very strong area of the pitch. I don't think there'll be too much to uh, to give. I suppose um, to use that phrase in uh, between the two teams in, in that uh, in that area in particular. Um, the one the one slight advantage that I'd maybe give Fulham in that area is just the uh, the numerical advantage that sure. they'll have in there. The um, three versus Fulham. Two. The, the, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, whether it's it's a case that um, that Fulham are able to crowd out. Uh, the Watford midfield in that central area and having that extra man is going to work to, uh, to prove fruitful. Um, that might well be the case, but uh, but what what Watford likes to do is they, they don't like to keep hold of the ball in that central area for too long. It's very much about spraying it out wide to the fullbacks, um, giving it to Pereira and Hughes who, who do do cut inside and do kind of add to that numerical uh, situation in the in the centre of midfield as well. But um, I think. I think for me, the, cent- the centre of midfield, it's not an area where the game's going to be won and lost, but it's just okay. a case of both teams being fully on their game and then being able to, uh, to use that to exploit the, uh, the other areas of the pitch to, um, to catch the other team off guard. Okay, excellent. All right, Phil, let's now talk about the coaches. Before I ask you who has the coach advantage, we have to talk about Savisa, who's now going to be playing against his former team. I'm assuming he will get a very positive response from the Watford supporters at Craven Cottage. Do you agree? Absolutely, yeah. I think in terms of um, the job that Slavisa Jakanovic did for Watford, I don't, I don't think anyone can um, can question what he uh, what he did for for Watford during his time there. I think um, the the fact that he uh, that he left shortly after um, after getting them uh, getting the team promoted, um, I don't think that's something which, to be honest, I, I don't think that's anything personal against uh, against Jakanovic. Um, I don't think that's anything about how uh, he went about his business, uh, about what he could what he could bring to the team. Um, the way that Watford do things with their managers, it's um, it, it's slightly different to um, to other clubs. It's it's quite um, it's quite harsh. It's quite ruthless in terms of what they do. But they they tend to bring in managers for a short period of time. Um, maybe have um, I suppose like bring them in to achieve a, a specific objective. 
and maybe Jukanovic, they thought he could come in, his attacking style of play would be enough to, uh, to get Watford promoted to the Premier League. But then when they got promoted, they were like, right, perhaps with, uh, with us being one of the, uh, the weaker teams in the Premier League, obviously compared to the, uh, the teams who've been up there for, for years and years, they were, perhaps they were thinking, right, maybe we need a, a more defensive-minded coach, someone who can make us a little bit more solid um, in, in the top flight, make sure that we can grind out results uh, rather than trying to play the, uh, the attractive style of play. So I, I don't think it was something which was um, anything personal against Jukanovic at all. Um, I think the fans, I think they, they loved having Jukanovic as a manager. Obviously, getting them, getting them promoted to the Premier League is going to be um, enough to, um, certainly enough to, uh, to get them a, a warm reception from the, uh, the travelling Watford fans on, uh, on Saturday. And um, yeah, I think, he'll, I, think, I think he'll definitely be in for a warm reception. And I don't think there's any, any qualms about that whatsoever. Well, that's good to hear. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out for Silvisa. Does he have a point to prove here? I, I don't know because, like you said, he had a job to do. He did his job, unfortunately. Watford are a little bit different, and they decided to move on. They thought he was at a certain level, and they went to get a different manager. But if it was me, I, I'd be motivated. I'd be a little bit extra motivated. We'll, we'll see with Savisi. He hasn't given any indication on that in his process. So he's a pretty uh, cool uh, person when it comes to things like that. He doesn't really give anything away on that. So let's talk about the coaches. This is interesting because we've been talking globally about Garcia, and I could say the same about Slavisa because I think Slavisa's done a tremendous job to get Fulham where they are right now. And this is the style of play that they play. It's attractive. It's wonderful to watch, and they're finding their feet in the Premier League. So let me ask you, who do you give the coaching advantage to? Um, it's, it's a difficult one. Um, I think in terms of the, uh, the two coaches that do have um, – very different philosophies. Uh, we've mentioned about Yukanovic and his um, his um, you kind of want to say all out attack kind of philosophy. It's very much about dictating uh, possession. It's very much about right. moving forward with uh, with pace and uh, looking to uh, almost to outscore the uh, the opposition. And um, having Grassia, it's um, it's a little bit of a, a different philosophy in that he, he almost doesn't put emphasis on either defending or attacking. His philosophy is very much just about making sure that the team are doing. Um, everything that they can in every single aspect of the uh, of, of the game. It's very much about um, working tirelessly for the team. It's not about uh, working for one particular individual to uh, to steal the lam- uh, limelight. It's um, it's about the the whole team working for one another, making sure that they're uh, that they're fitter and they're stronger and quicker than um, the, than the opposition in every single area. It's about winning those individual battles, and that's something which he's um, he's been able to do so far this season. So. I think while Fulham will most likely dominate possession um, during the game at uh, Craven Cottage, I think um, Javi Grassi, well, he won't have any qualms about that. He knows what Fulham are, are about. It will just be about making sure that the, uh, the Watford team are working harder than Fulham. And so making sure that when, uh, when Fulham do slip up or when they, um, when they slow down in terms of their possession play, making sure that his, uh, his Watford team are, are ready to pounce, ready to, uh, to punish Fulham and make sure that they, uh, that they can make it count in front of goals. So uh, I think the two, the two different footballing styles, yeah. uh, but two styles which I think uh, when, when coming head-to-head, I think it should lead to uh, quite a high-tempo, um, entertaining uh, match. Totally agree. Totally agree. Very good there, my friend. All right, let's go to predictions. Before I get your prediction for the match, uh, I like to put my guest on the spot in two different ways. Let's start with what does Watford need to do to win this match? Um, I think the main thing is um, basically disrupt Fulham and make sure that Fulham aren't, um, don't get into, into a rhythm of their own. I think if, um, 
if Watford did go down the route of um, of sitting back and kind of like soaking up the uh, soaking up the pressure from uh, from Fulham, I think that's something which could be particularly dangerous because, as as you know, and as well as a lot of fans in the the Premier League are starting to learn as well. Um, if you give Fulham time on the ball and give them space to uh, to do what they want to, that's very much just playing into Fulham's hands. So I think from Watford's point of view, it's about um, not getting um, not getting unsettled by the uh, the amount of pressure uh, possession that um, that Fulham are having, but making sure that they are continuously working hard, putting them under pressure, and hopefully by doing that, they'll be able to force Fulham into uh, into some mistakes. If uh, right. if they're pressing if they're pressing high in midfield when Fulham are passing it around and. You can um, you can force them into a misplaced pass or um, like a, a bit of control which goes uh, slightly astray. That's the kind of thing that Watford will want. So by by pressing them high, uh, by going going hard in the tackle and very much disrupting the play, I think that's how Watford will be hoping to uh, to make their mark on the game and uh, using um, using that ruthless nature in front of goal that we were discussing before to uh, to, to make sure that they are capitalising on any mistakes that Fulham do make. I agree with all that. I think you nailed it when it comes to a Watford perspective because I'm, while you're talking about this, I'm thinking of some of the full mistakes, and that to me is a concern. There's no question about it, and this is a team that can take advantage of uh, full mistakes. So that's a very interesting way to look at how Watford can win this match. But now I'm going to put you in the shoes of Slavisi Okanovic. I do this each and every week, and people are like, oh, don't do that. But I'm going to do it, Phil. So you're in the shoes of Slavisa. What would you do if you were playing against Watford? How would you win this match? Um, I, I think the uh, I think the main way to um, to win against Watford, I think from a Fulham point of view, is I, th- I think it's very much just about sticking with what their what their normal game plan is. It's about doing things the way that they feel comfortable by um, by dictating play, by making sure that they're moving the ball quickly, but not um, not keeping possession just for for the sake of doing so. If, if they're passing it around in midfield and they're not getting anywhere. That's something which is going to play into Watford's hands because that that work ethic and that um, that high press is eventually going to uh, going to catch them out. So I think they need to be um, be strong in possession, Fulham. Uh, but I think at the same time they need to make sure that they're um, they're, they're mixing things up a little bit. Don't be playing the uh, the small passes every single time. Make sure that they're uh, they're looking to uh, to exploit the uh, the wide areas because as we mentioned before, when Watford are going forward, those fullbacks are going to go flying forward as well. So if they can um, get the head up and make sure that they are picking out uh, players in the uh, the wide areas for for Fulham, uh, that's something which is going to uh, which is going to catch Watford out. And then as well as that, when I was saying before about um, about getting the ball into the into the box early, um, that kind of like dominance in the penalty area, uh, Mitrovic is a, a handful for any defender to handle, particularly in a, in an aerial duel. And um, if if Fulham can move the ball quickly, get it out into a wide position, and then look to get the ball into the box at the earliest opportunity before Watford have had a chance to regroup, um, that could be something which uh, which could prove particularly effective for Fulham. So as much as it's about keeping possession, it's just about making sure that they're perhaps a little bit more direct, a little bit more um, up tempo in the way that they are doing things in the attacking third, and making sure that they can catch Watford out um, when when they are exposed themselves tend to agree with pretty much everything you said there, Phil. All right. It's time to get your prediction, and then I'll share mine. Okay. So uh, I think in terms of my prediction, I think the first thing to say is that um, I'd be extremely surprised if there wasn't any goals in this one. <laughs> um, I think, the, um, I, I think the, um, the way that both teams are going to set up, as I mentioned before, it's going to be um, it's going to be a high-energy game. And it's going to be – I think it's going to be quite an entertaining matchup. I think um, people who were – 
who are watching on that they might see uh, Watford against Fulham um, on a on a Saturday lunchtime over here in England. Uh, they might see it as perhaps not the the most entertaining of fixtures or the two like most glamorous teams, but I think both teams are certainly going to put on uh, on quite a display and show exactly why they're. Um, totally agree. What, why, why I think both sides will probably be able to avoid being anywhere near that uh, that relegation zone come the end of the season. So I think there'll be goals in it. I think it'll be quite tight. Um, I'd probably say I, I could. I, I reckon Fulham might, um, might might not get the other result in this one. I think Watford might nick it two one. In uh, in my opinion, I think I think Fulham will definitely cause problems. Um, but I think the uh, the experience and um, the the physicality of the likes of Troy Deeney. Um, and, and Andre Gray, I think it might just be a little bit too much for Russell Fulham's defence to, uh, to handle, uh, particularly if they are a little bit exposed when they're uh, when they're keeping hold of the ball. So I'm going to say 2-1 to, uh, to Watford for this one. Okay, definitely understand why you went in that direction. And I've listened to everything that you've had to share, and I've done my due diligence, my homework on Watford, and obviously I know uh, a little bit about Fulham, and uh, I've been giving this a lot of thought, and maybe I'm – being naive here, but I look back at that match that I watched for Watford against Burnley and thought that Fulham could beat both of these teams, Phil. I watched the match, and then I watched the Manchester United match. I was actually impressed with how Watford played and obviously beating Tottenham Hotspur. That's impressive, too. So they've had some impressive victories. But I look at the styles, and we're talking about the styles, and I th- think it's actually a good matchup for Fulham if they can clean things up. If they don't make the mistakes. So maybe, again, I am stupidly thinking that they won't make that many mistakes. I'm actually going for a high-scoring affair, my friend. I'm going 4-2 to two to Fulham. I think this is going to be a shootout. So I'm. this is what I'm going. I think Fulham are going to score a decent amount of goals. Nothing against Watford, and I know Watford have played Manchester United, and they've also played Tottenham Hotspur that can score a good amount of goals. At Craven Cottage, I watched Fulham play against Burnley, and Burnley last season were known for the defense. I saw Fulham tear them apart. And I have a good feeling that they're going to be able to cause some problems to Watford. A lot of the things that you already talked about, balls in the box, I can see that happening. I can see that Fulham taking advantage of uh, Watford wide when they have that advantage. I could see that happening. So I'm going forward to two, but we'll see. You know, you could be right as well. I'm, I'm being bold here. Uh, I'm not, you know, again, I'm not going to be on the fence. Some of my co-hosts are on the fence. I'm going bold. I'm saying forward to two to Fulham, Phil. All right. Great show, my friend. Thank you so much for doing this with me. No problem. My pleasure. I really enjoyed this. And uh, hopefully, you know, you and I have talked about this. I would love to do a show with you and the television star, Ryan O'Donovan. Hopefully we can do a show together sometime. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we'll have, to, uh, we'll have to get in touch with his agent and make sure that he can free up <laughs> some time for us. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> okay. Ryan, if you're listening, I'm just kidding around with you, okay? All right, well, listen, this has been a great show, but it is time to wrap it up. For my guest, Phil Spencer from Football Down London, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute, and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.